Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. Let us help you escape your mind. Folks, welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. We have episode number 264 tonight. Uh, we are joined by our friend Matthew Palomari, who has been on a few times before. I have the links down uh, for his previous episodes down below. Uh, he has a new book out, and I'm going to mispronounce this, I think. Maybe not, but it's The Holographic Cosmic Man. I think I got it. Um, yeah. And uh, the link is also down below to his Amazon uh, page. So he's got tons of books. He's an amazing author. If you if you haven't read anything of his before, I highly recommend it. Uh, if you like metaphysics, psychedelics, um, you know, people, con- you know, contemplating death. He's got a great book on death. Um, lots of stuff. So go check those out. And uh, again, I have the link to his Amazon page down below. Um, but before we get started... I just want to say thank you to everybody for all the nice messages while I was gone. I was on vacation for a couple of weeks with my family. Uh, and when I got back, we had to work on uh, getting this new um, documentary trailer going, which we do. We'll probably be premiering it after. It's being premiered at Argentinian Film Festival, uh, the trailer. So shout out to Maximo. Um, that'll be Sunday, I believe, and we'll try and put that on our YouTube channel on Monday. Uh, but yeah, so look forward to that. I changed the title of it, so it'll be a surprise once you see it. Um, and, uh, shout out to Saucer Co. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, before we get started, you can also support our show. Um, and all you have to do is go down below and click the link tree link. Uh, we've got a merch store, uh, Patreon. We've actually done a couple Patreon segments with, um, uh, Matthew as well. One of which he talks about his buddy i'm not going to go into it and, and spoiler alert it but it has to do with a near-death experience slash uh 5meo so if you're looking f- you know for something along those lines check out our patreon and uh yeah that's about it check out our new podcast as well uh shane and i have a podcast with our buddy toby called 
the Roswell UFO Symposium, where we interview all the top people having to do with the UFO UAP topic. Um, and yeah, I think that's about it. But uh, without further ado, welcome back on the show, Matthew. How are you? I'm doing great, and I appreciate you guys having me on the show. Great show, great questions, great audience. So thank you for having me. Of course, man. You're welcome any every time, anytime, all the time. Uh, but <laughs> last time we had you on, you had just released Pika Floor, which I really enjoyed, which was kind of like a culmination of all or a lot of the stuff that you've you know learned throughout your journeys and uh, experiences. Um, what is this new book about? I just downloaded it on Kindle. I've not read it yet, but what is the holographic cosmic man all about? You said it correct. So I'm, uh, I'm really a, a freak for sacred geometry. And I always like to say that I learned everything I ever learned about sacred geometry from ayahuasca. And then I went and read the books after that. So holographic cosmic man I came to the realization through all of my research that the golden mean is the perfect geometric mathematical representation of a hologram. And the hologram is everywhere. And I can, I can go, I can dive, dive as deep down into that as you would like. But there's a temple of anthropocosmic man uh, in Luxor, Egypt. And it's a precise mathematical map. I'm sure you know about this because you're an architecture freak like me. Um, but it's a precise mathematical map of the human body. And they also say it's a map of the cosmos. And that and everything, every arch in it, every piece of um, artwork, everything is precisely following the golden mean in one form or another. And the author of a book called The Temple of Man, which was Schwarro de Lubitz, spent 15 years studying and analyzing the entire temple. So it's the temple of anthropocosmic man, which is, uh, as I said, a map of the human body. And they say it's also a map of the cosmos. So I played on that. And, and even that uh, in and of itself, the fact that the temple is of the human body and the cosmos, that in itself is holographic. So um, that whole concept of being sort of, you know, the whole the Russian egg, Russian doll thing, you know, everything inside of each other. That's all holographic, and the more I researched it, the more I found it. So uh, as my best books have always done, this book ended up writing itself, and it follows that whole concept, you know, from, from the golden mean to Fibonacci spirals to holograms, physics, nature. It just, it just goes on and on and on. It's, I like to say it's everywhere and nowhere at the same time. Yeah, I mean, this sounds dope. I can't wait to read it. Um, yeah, I mean, we're very familiar with the Temple of Man. We've done many episodes on it especially because like i don't know if you know who john anthony west was he was fascinated oh, yeah. with uh schwaller de lubitz and all that the, temp the temple of man is you know with that bird's eye view it's hard not to you know make that connection right i mean and plus the egyptians being so well aware of the human anatomy and biology and you know they were pulling organs out of people's you know nasal cavities uh yeah. the brain and uh you know putting all these um uh, things together. I mean, I, I, I'm really psyched to read this book actually. Um, so explain like how, what, aside from the architecture, explain like the connection, um, between your experiences and these things. Is this something that you've researched or is this something that just came naturally through like an epiphany or? It, it, it was a little bit of both. Um, 
actually, actually it was it was it was both in a, in a big way so you know anybody who's spent any time with dmt or in, and in my case with ayahuasca it's extended time with dmt over many many years you get downloads that are they're beyond logic it's like it's like emotional conceptual visual um it's very complex it's it's really like an, an alien language you know terence mckenna always used to talk about the self-transforming machine elves it's this very complex thing so i experienced a lot of that and then i found out from someone um good friend of mine professor scott olson he's a professor of comparative religion and he's all about the golden mean and I did a lot of work with him and he turned me on to a lot of books. So everything that I knew from my visions, I went and read and followed up with in the books. It's just like uh, in a backwards way, I studied ayahuasca for 10 years before I found it. And so I had already done, and back, back, back then, back in those days, when I was a younger man, uh, with my Terrence McKenna in, uh, impression there, um, there wasn't as many things. There was uh, Richard Evans Schultes. There was some stuff by Wade Davis, but there just wasn't as much. I had to actually research at the UCSD library here in San Diego to find out everything I could. And then I got dialed into the to the tribe, I like to say, or the underground or whatever you want to call it. And I followed up and I, and I read tons and tons of books about these things. And I was in the jungle, God, well, I was actually 2001. And I got the inspiration for this whole concept. And I wrote another book with a tennis pro. I wrote 95% of it. He'll tell you that. But it's called The Infinity Zone. And it gets into perfect form and motion and, and the boundaries between physics and geometry and time and space. And uh, that one did very good. Um, it actually won an International Book Award first place in, in you know new age metaphysics type stuff. And then I like to say that this one is The Infinity Zone on steroids. I really get deep into the geometry of the body, um, the cosmos. I, I start. I actually start with quantum physics, and then I come up through into smaller animals and plants and the human body and out into the cosmos, and I bounce back and forth, tying everything together. So you know, I even have a whole chapter on you know, this is kind of a big, big thing these days, so to speak, about the whole mycelial network and how it communicates between the roots of trees and how trees and the, that network work together. And, you know, one mother tree will supply nutrients to smaller trees and the nutrients are given up by the mycelial network and the tree gives things back. And there's this whole communication that goes on. And then um, I'm sure um, you're familiar with the work of Rudolf Steiner. Uh, it started the Waldorf schools, among other things. Yeah, we've done a few episodes on them, actually. Yeah, so I got I got a fair amount of Steiner in there too, because you know there's a whole inverse relationship uh, between humans and plants. We uh, we breathe off carbon dioxide. Plants breathe it in and give off oxygen. We feed from the top. Plants feed from the bottom. We reproduce from the bottom. Plants reproduce from the top. There's this whole inverse relationship that goes on in this, and we're, we're, we're tied together, you know, and I always like to say the plants were here first. Um, we wouldn't survive without the plants. And I got to tell you, there's, there's your old expression, well, you know, that person is dumber than a house plant. 
Well, after I did ayahuasca a lot, I thought that's, uh, I would argue with that one. Maybe maybe some of these plants are a lot smarter than we are. And then there's the whole thing that maybe the plants are actually cultivating us to feed them, right? Because what happens when we croak? We rot and they, yeah. they eat our nutrients, right? Well, so, I mean, psilocybin too, uh, you always wonder, are they trying to get us to eat them, you know, to make the earth a better place? And I've, I've, thought, I've had that, that thought on psilocybin before. Um, so yeah. I don't know. Um, Paul Stamets told me that um, mushrooms only grow where the earth is disturbed. And, um, you know, T Terrence McKenna's old uh, stoned monkey theory and all that. Everybody's heard about that now. And the whole idea that, that some of the first mushrooms grew in, in uh, cow shit, right? And, and cows are like one of the first domesticated animals that were domesticated. I just find that interesting. And also, you, you probably know this too, but in, in many respects, mushrooms are closer to, to animals in the way that re they reproduce than plants do. Yeah, in the evolutionary timeline that we are closer to fungi than fungi is to plants. That's right. And, I, and, I, and it doesn't always work with the women, but I like to tell them I'm a fun guy uh, every chance I get. Sometimes I, it works. Sometimes it doesn't. So I, I had a question. <laughs> Shane will use that too. Um, you better quote Matthew. He's an author, by the way. Um, I, have a I have a question about the quantum physics thing. Actually, I was in a, a reading group other uh, earlier tonight. Shout out to Leah. Um, and this actually kind of came up, and I, I, I've mentioned this before, but do you think that when you're having a psychedelic experience, let's say high-dose psilocybin, and you can kind of see th like patterns flow and move, the carpeting doing things, the carpeting shifting into the wall, and the walls kind of cave, like, do you think you're viewing like superposition or, or seeing like this cloud of... Um, probability as opposed to like a fixed thing like because it's maybe disabling or built-in pareidolia of our mind or something along those lines where you're actually seeing maybe more of what the true nature of reality is or do you think that that's the compound having an effect on you you're gonna love this answer and, and you may have to rein me in because i'm gonna go for a little bit here uh in many respects the answer is yes and i will elaborate on that and Shane, you'll appreciate this. Um, I feel very blessed because when I was in the Air Force, as we talked about, Shane and I are both uh, former Air Force. I went for nine months to electronics school at Keesler Air Force Base in Mississippi. And I learned basic electronics. And then it went to work on all, I worked in electronics and computers all of my life. And um, electronics is essentially really the study of energy. And it's the study of manipulating energy. You have transistors that amplify and capacitors that charge and inductors that ch charge and discharge and transfer. It's all energy. And through my experience, and uh, especially my shamanic experiences and my visionary and psychedelic experiences, for me now, absolutely everything is energy, period. It's the rate of vibration. I, I get into this a lot in my, my one book the longest title ever the center of the universe is right between your eyes but home is where the heart is and essentially when you drink ayahuasca you tune into a particular frequency and that frequency everybody in the circle 
tunes into that. So in, in old school ways, and even somewhat what we're doing online now, but I'm going to use radio for an example. The radio transmitter transmits the signals at a specific frequency. For arguments like 610 on your dial, AM, amplitude, amplitude modulation. So that's where they're transmitting. If you take your radio in your home or your car and you tune it to that same frequency, you're hearing what's transmitted on that frequency. The reason you're hearing it is because you are in resonance with it. You are vibrating at the same frequency. And so you pick up the signal that in, in all respects is invisible, but you pick up on it because you're tuned into the same frequency. So when you drink ayahuasca, uh, Terrence McKenna said this, I love the way he said this. He said, your brain is like a radio receiver and you tune to different frequencies for different perceptions. Now we can't change what's going on with the world outside of us, but we can change how we perceive it and how we filter it and, and how we interpret it and how we experience it. So when you drink ayahuasca, everybody in the group tunes into that same frequency. And in the lore of the jungle, the, the uh, other plants and animals also tune into that same frequency. And then you have like telepathic experiences and, and, and different types of connections uh, with plants and animals because you're at the same frequency. So uh, in my, by, by the way, everything I'm saying right now is all in my universe. People don't have to uh, agree or me. I don't, that's fine with me. Uh, I consider everything I write and everything I say as an offering. People oh, can yes. take it or leave it. Speak your truth, bro. Don't worry about it. I need there you go. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just always like to qualify that. Um, so, um, I think in my experience with ayahuasca, I think that when you, if you vomit or you shit, it's like your body, the weight of your body is dumping, like your body can't keep up with the high rate of frequency. And so it's almost like dumping the extra payload or dumping the extra fuel on a space spacecraft before you can launch higher because some of my most exquisite visions have been after I dumped whatever was holding me back in my body. And I think you vibrate at a higher frequency so you perceive and see things that you may not normally perceive in in regular everyday quote unquote three-dimensional reality and when people say to me what is reality i say to them which reality are you talking about because to me it's infinite and and, and that even that infinite realities within realities within realities is a holographic model one of the things about a holograph i'm sure you know this but for for, for the people who are uh tuning into the podcast here, you can take a hologram, an image, a holographic image, and cut it up in a bunch of smaller parts, and the whole image is in each individual part. That is holographic. And you can take, using the basic golden mean, the golden cut, 1.618, known as phi, that can go infinitely smaller or infinitely larger. And that's basically what a Fibonacci spiral does. And um, I don't want to get too off track. I will if you want me to. But, you know, the whole idea of a spiral. Just keep going, bro. All right. Thank you, man. <laughs> when a plant grows, generally speaking, the plants, the, the leaves follow a Fibonacci spiral in what is called phyllotaxis. And that allows each plant to get maximum uh, sunlight as it goes up, up the shaft. It, it, it gets maximum exposure. It's maximum efficiency. And then if you think about spiral, 
and you think about the core of the word, because I'm a writer, I'm a word freak. You have inspiration, inspiration, but inspiration, respiration, right? And when you get inspired, and being inspired is being creative. It's like tapping into the creative force. All of my best stuff I've ever written, I swear to God, it's not me. It's something else beyond me. I'm not that good. Um, in fact, I read stuff I wrote and I go, wow, this is really good. You know, I'll read a couple and say, this is really good. Who wrote this? Because it wasn't me, you know? And um, I love to quote, um, there's an old, I think he was a Sioux medicine man by the name of Fool's Crow, a great healer. And he said that um, I am a hollow bone. And I opened myself up and I let it come through. And I basically get out of the way and let it come through. And that, that to me is how I write my, my best stuff. Uh, I always love to say that writing, of all the things I've done, writing is my favorite altered state, bar none, and it comes out. So to me, when you take mushrooms, you've changed the frequency of your mind. Let's say for argument's sake, and I'm, and I'm not getting political here in any way, shape, or form, but let's either way, let's say you're extremely right-wing or you're extremely left-wing. You're so caught up in that reality. If you're extremely right-wing, everything left-wing is like poison. It's like, that's the enemy. And of course, the other end of the extreme is the same way. I always like to say, if you go far enough right, you're going to end up left. And if you go far enough left, you're going to end up right. Because the reality is really in the middle. So I think when you take mushrooms and ayahuasca and other substances, you change the frequency that your mind is vibrating at, and you perceive things that um, you may have totally, totally, totally missed before, not only outside of yourself, but within yourself. You know, and one of the things with ayahuasca that I've done a lot of work with is my own personal shadow work. There's a lot of hidden crap down there, and we all try to deny our shadow. And ayahuasca has a way of bringing it up and kind of putting your face in it. And it has a way of um, amplifying your greatest fears. So you get to see things that you might not have been able to see before because you were too narrow-minded in, in your way of perceiving and believing. You know, people who are very rigid in their belief systems can't even comprehend other things, other realities. One of the things that happened to me over the years is that after doing enough ayahuasca, I can take mushrooms and go right into ayahuasca space. But... I didn't know that doorway was there until I found it. I had to have the experience to find it. So the sky's the limit. And there are a number of ways to perceive that people don't realize because they're caught up in their world, whether, you know, go to work every day or whether they're, whatever they're doing. They're really do you think it's a, do you think it's because of the mental state of, of these, these compounds put you in? Or, I mean, do you think it's because of, um, you know, you eat mushroom, you eat psilocybin, you know, it breaks down into psilocin in your gut, and then you're only one molecule away from DMT. Do you think that that's has something to do with it, or do you think it's more of the the mind state that you're in? Again, I'm not trying to be a wise ass here, <laughs> dude. <laughs> but this the answer guy. is the, all the, the above. Is, <laughs> yeah, because the answer is yes, and here's why. I've had people say to me, "Oh, yo." You know, you're on drugs. You did drugs. And I'll say to him, well, did you have a cup of coffee this morning? Well, yeah. Well, guess what? You suddenly induced an altered state from a substance that you took into your body. Oh, 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 somebody says, I don't drink coffee. Did you work out this morning? Yeah, I went running five miles. Well, guess what? You're high on endorphins, buddy. 
Right. I mean, we're just a big sack of drugs, really. I mean, we're just a bunch of, you know, endogenous chemicals rummaging around, filtering through yeah. our brains. Yeah. So. Yeah, we're meat bags, right? I mean, you know, what do you do? You go to Thanksgiving, right? You chow down and you pig out, and then what do you do? You go fall asleep on the couch because of the tryptophan and the turkey's putting you to sleep, right? So everything we do, and even there's a whole school of thought that food is, all food is a drug. So anything you do, even you wake up in the morning, right? You were just sleeping and you wake up, you're suddenly in a, a different state of consciousness than you were prior to waking up. And if you were dreaming before that, you were in a different state of consciousness. So we have this wonderful playground that's between our eyes to have lots of fun with. And if you take mushrooms and LSD and, you know, 5-MeO, DMT, you know, God, ketamine, let's on and on and on and on. Sasha Shogun's whole menu of goodies, right? It, you take all of those things and you're shifting the frequency of, of, of your mind, of your experience, of your reality. You're experiencing different realities. And one of the hallmarks of shamanism is that a shaman is a master of navigating altered states. And the secret of working with ayahuasca is learning how to navigate intense altered states. And then when you're in your everyday life and you find yourself in weird situations, you can navigate them easily because you've already had, let's say, basic training uh, for things that were much more intense and much more crazy and much more beyond logic. The, the people I've seen who have had the hardest time with ayahuasca are those people who are considered to be intellectually centered. They control their reality with their mind. I had some years ago, I had a renowned PhD came to the jungle with us and he spent his first three ceremonies curled up in my lap in the fetal position because he couldn't handle it because he had no tools how to navigate that state of consciousness or I say states of consciousness. You know, when people say this and that and shadow and subpersonalities, I always like to say, I'm a cast of thousands. Um, I can change from, from you know, heartbeat to heartbeat sometimes we all can but we don't realize it because we're, we're we're all caught up in that thing so it's a different mode of perception it's a different mode of experiencing reality it's a different mode of being and in my experience if you do this stuff enough and long enough if i never take anything ever again in my entire life i don't need it i'm in a constant state of integration 24 7. i am permanently altered the main reason I'm doing more things now is because I feel very much obligated to guide people because my mentors now are all passing on. Uh, my biggest mentor just passed on a few months ago. He was 90, the guy who originally took me into the jungle. The guy who introduced me to Terrence McKenna and Paul Stamets and all those guys, Sasha Shogun. I spent a lot of time with all of those guys. And they're all, Sasha's gone, my mentor's gone. And, and here I am now getting older, the gray's coming in there, right? And uh, I feel obligated. I, and just like we talked about with my writing with Ray Bradbury, I'm carrying the torch. It's my turn now because they're all gone and they gifted me with all that experience. So I feel very obligated to carry the torch and put forth good, solid information. Or as you said, and thank you for that, I, I can speak my truth, you know, uh, without a bunch of, you know, th there's people who've done ayahuasca three times and suddenly they're a guru, right? And they know everything. I call that guruitis, by the way. Uh, those people drive me nuts. I want people to have their eyes wide open. And a lot of people who have come to me that want to experience ayahuasca, after I talk to them, I talk them out of it because uh, it's not for everybody. 
but but the point of it all is that I think you shift the frequency, the radio station in your mind, and you tune in to a different frequency. So you perceive things that you didn't used to be able to perceive. I can see things in people that other people can't see. And it's more based on my experience than anything else. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I have a question too. So you're like big on like these group experiences and like retreats and stuff like that. Um, for me, and I don't know, I guess it just depends on the person, but like I prefer to do it like alone, like silent and in darkness. Like I don't even, I've, I used to, when I was younger, I did it around all sorts of people, you know, probably even places I shouldn't have been doing without reverence, you know, like, um, concerts are a little bit different in my opinion. Cause it's more, yeah. like, you know, like you're at a dead show or a fish show. It's a little bit of a different experience in yeah. general, but, um, <clears throat> but yeah. So like, is that like, do you think that's like a me thing or do you think that like, I guess what I'm trying to ask is, is, is that like a neurosis on my part? Do you think? I mean, nope, I know nope, you don't nope, know me, nope. but I mean, I feel like I get more out of the alone thing, and I get really good ideas. I just enjoy it more. I don't know. That's yeah. Let let me clarify that for you, and then you can tell me if you think I'm full of it, and you can. That's okay with me. That won't bother me. <laughs> In my humble opinion, mushrooms are best done alone in a dark place by yourself. It's okay to take a smaller dose if you want to go to a concert, take a light, you know, like they say, like a museum dose for a concert kind of thing. But I think mushrooms are best done by yourself alone in the dark. I couldn't agree with you more. Ayahuasca, on the other hand, is considered to be an individual experience in a group setting. And I think that should be done in a group with somebody who's qualified to lead the group. Because in the ceremonies that I've led, um, and, and ones I've been in over all these years now, and I'm, I'm like 24 years now. Um, when I'm leading ceremonies, I'm orchestrating the energy of the group. And I'm tied into everybody in the group individually. And I'm responsible for every one of them. So before I take them to, a, to an ayahuasca thing or something, I, they get a thorough screening. Psychologically, What's your experience? Have you ever been addicted? Are you taking things? Have you taking things? There's a thorough vetting that goes on. And then when the uh, ceremony gets going and we're all connected in that way, and I'm very aware of everybody, then me and the people I'm working with, we orchestrate the energy of the group. So it's still an individual experience, but it's in a group setting. And, and in the lore of the jungle, what they say is that ayahuasca is the river and the music and the Icaros are the boats that you travel on to take your journey. So it's a little bit of both, but I, I, I think I think mushrooms should be done alone in the dark. If you really want to do some good work, a nice healthy dose by yourself in your room to do your work. In an ayahuasca ceremony, you're still alone in your own way. And you can be in a you can be in a, with, a, with a group of people and not even know they're there. You can go pretty far. And so I think in that case. You need to be, for lack of better words, you need to be babysat. You know, and, and when, when we've led ceremonies in, in different places, we'll always have about at least two, sometimes four sitters who don't take anything. And they're there to help people because I'm telling you, you can get really incapacitated on ayahuasca. I mean, something as simple as trying to tie your shoe up or even zip up your pants is like a major ordeal. You know, you need help. And so we have people there to help with that. So it is a little bit of both. 
Um, I mean, it makes sense. Definitely makes sense. Um, yeah, I didn't know because I have obviously I've used psilocybin uh, for like my OCD and stuff like that, which has been tremendously helpful creating. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, I'll call it neuroplasticity. I, I mean, we know that that's what it does. But re- being able to like not re- like when I say reset, I don't mean like, oh, I'm back to normal, you know, for like that's not how you still have to do the work. But what it allows you to do is kind of look at yourself from outside yourself and be like, oh, I'm doing that. No, oh, I got to fix that. You know, I got to fix exactly. this. Um and uh i've had some of my more visionary experiences too taking me through like a timeline of you know i don't want to get into it but i've you know i'll put it out there at some point but just you know really intense um insightful experiences and some of even my best ideas but to what you were saying like you don't need to do it um i haven't done psychedelics uh, in like a few couple years few years since i mean we've had my son now he's you know older than one i haven't had the need to i'm in a good headspace i yeah. um i feel good i've I'm, i got a lot of creative projects going on like there's no need mm-hmm. for me to do it you know like you said anymore like so maybe somewhere down the line if i get tripped up mentally or my ocd gets crazy or something in the future but uh, i don't really right now i feel good everything's great so um mm-hmm. But, uh, and, and to your point too, uh, these are powerful tools. These are not things to just, I mean, you can take them recreationally, obviously you can do anything, but, um, they're best used or I guess, um, used, used towards a a purpose or like, you know, there's some reverence for what's going on. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the concert thing, like I said, when you're in your, late teens or early twenties or whatever, that might be a thing. But, uh, the, the older I got, the more I'm like, I don't want to do that. You know, even mm. jam shows. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm good on that. So. Yeah. A lot of times I tell people that in many respects, it's the, the time between the experiences are more important than the experiences because you can have a revelation. You can have, you can be in an experience and suddenly see something. You have a revelation of something. And then a lot of people make the mistake of, oh, okay, I've seen it, I'm cured. Nuh-uh, you've just been shown it. And I like what you just said. I forget exactly how you worded it, but you see, oh, this is this is this thing about me. I see that now. I'm kind of stepping outside of myself. I need to work on that. That is the real work. And, and uh, that is what I call uh, witness consciousness or mindfulness. And I always like this. I always like to say either daddy's home or mommy's home. So, you know, when the little voices, the little monkey mind gets going inside of me, and it's something, right? I go, shut up, you. Shut up and get in your room. I don't want to hear it right now. You know, I say I love you. Homunculus. Yeah, but but shut up. I don't want to hear it. You're out of line. Go to your room. You know, daddy's home. I'm not not listening to your shit right now. Um, And that comes from becoming more mindful about what's going on inside of you. And so from what you just told me, you're doing the work, in my humble opinion, you're doing the work in the right way, the way it should be done, the real purpose of this stuff. And that leads into being more expanded in consciousness because you're not limited by those other notions and preconceived uh, shadow things that you've had inside of yourself, you know, back to birth and even beyond that. So, yeah. um, I mean, yeah. look, I, like I said, and they're like you said too, they're not for everybody. I mean, that's, they're, that's why they're working on things. They're, I, I think they tried to isolate 
part of uh, iboga that's not psychedelic. It's called like tabernathalog. That's supposed to help people with addiction that don't want to yeah. go through that like day or two process of taking iboga and, you know, tripping your mind yeah. off. Um, but um, Shane was actually, what's that program called, Shane, where they take vets into uh, uh, the jungle to do ayahuasca ceremonies? Uh, yeah, I applied for, it's called Heroic Hearts. I think it's out of Oregon. And I'm excited but terrified about the experience like you were just talking about. So, yeah. Um, I haven't heard back. I got a newsletter. I know it's, so with my, I ended up stumbling upon psychedelics. Just It was part of my whole UAP experience thing when I was just kind of reading a lot. And then I read this book. Um, man, I have to even look it up. Uh about is it psychedelics for PTSD is along the lines of what it was. And mm-hmm. so I ended up since I didn't know anybody and again, always you can't just go out there and do things, but I ended up doing it on my own. And after the fact of microdosing for about six months on and off again, and I, and I, and I didn't, I didn't, was it called macrodose at all? I just microdosed. I have to say that it's probably the best choice that I made. I mean, mm-hmm. I felt, I mean, my PTSD, just the things that I was dealing with seemed to melt away and I saw things differently and I know it's anecdotal and they talk about it being anecdotal, but I'll go to my grave swearing and that's where, where I'm at now. Like I still, I got brothers and sisters that are dying and taking their own lives and we're arguing about psychedelics being a drug. You're kidding me. Yeah. I've done some work with PTSD. I had a great experience with the Vietnam that couple years ago in Florida, he had PSD, PTSD for like, he said, I've been haunted all these years, you know, Nam goes back to the sixties and it was ended in like 76. And I did a ceremony with him and he had a big emotional breakthrough and breakdown and he was bawling. And when it was all over, like the next day and the days and weeks after he, he couldn't thank me enough. He said, I've been carrying that all these years and it's finally gone. Um, and I've had other people with, with, not necessarily war related PTSD, but like domestic abuse and things like that, where they broke through and they were in a place um, where they could do it. You know, one one of the great things about the ayahuasca circle is it's a safe container that's created where you can be vulnerable and you can cry if you need to and laugh if you need to. And there's no judgment if if you shit your pants or you puke all over yourself. um, There's no judgment. That's what needs to be in the process. So that's a, a, a really good thing to hear. And, and incidentally, I worked with a personal coach for a number of years and anybody else who was doing ayahuasca she worked with, she told him to stop, except me. She told me to keep doing it. And I learned, it took me four or five years and I come and learn to understand the process. And now I can work on the process with people with their shadow work with substances or not. Um, I understand how it works now. And that's, you know, that's up to years and years and years of work on myself and, and doing things. Uh, but, you know, I mean, if they don't get back to you, Shane, we should just send you down with Matthew the next time he goes down. I would. I'm, yeah, next year. Well, I got a huge waiting list and it's just your it's donations. And so it's and, you know, like I said, I'm terrified, but I also know I have friends that have done it similar situations and they they swear by it. And I've also experienced like I said, when I told you about the psychedelics before, and it was for me, one of the ways I can explain it is some of the things that I was really having a difficult time with 
process and trauma related, all of a sudden I just realized why I was having trouble processing these things and what they were. And like it, it was, I was seeing things like I was on the outside and it was the, uh -huh. it was the greatest experience I had when I started microdosing. And so, like I said, I'll go to my grave. So yeah, I will definitely keep in touch. Yeah. Yeah. I just got back. I was just, uh, telling Mike here, I just got back last month. Actually at, at the end of October, I just did, I've done, I just did my 13th 10 day dieta, which is very intense. And it's usually five to seven journeys with a very restricted diet and other plants. And, uh, Michael tell you, it's in my books. It's, it's changed my life. Um, I went from being a radical, violent juvenile delinquent, uh, to somebody with some experience that I like to share. And it just made a big difference in my life. I swear by it. So, um, anything I can do to facilitate, you know, keep in touch. Mike, Mike knows how to find me for sure. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I'll take you up on that because <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to be, but I mean, that's the thing is, um, like I just said, I'm not, you know, we'll see where, where I'm at, you know, in a few years or something like that. But right now yeah. I'm just keeping busy with what I'm doing. And, uh, there's just no need. Like you said, I, th I think I really, and I, I don't, I hate when people are like, Oh, I meditate. It's, I evolved to, <laughs> to meditate, you know, like, yeah, I mean, cool. You know, I meditate too. I love to meditate, but the idea that somehow you take psychedelics and then eventually you get to the meditation level, like it's some graduation. I don't, see that mm -hmm. like I, I don't understand that's just like when people say dissolve the ego or ego death like no it's you're, it's you you're, you got to feed it's what you feed your ego you know and if you're feeding your ego shit you're probably a, a piece of shit you know so like um <laughs> but I hate to be crass but it's like bottom line yeah. is uh, I think ego is what makes us who we are in some regards. It, it motivates you. It's it's you know if if you're level headed about it is where it comes comes into play. So I mean that's just my philosophy on it. I'm not one of these people where I like hate when people say ego death or something like that. But I do think that it's not really an accurate description of that process, in my opinion. I I, I agree. You want my ego rap? Let's hear it. <laughs> So one thing that that same coach told me is you don't kill your ego. You give it a new job. And, a, and a, uh, have you ever heard of Gurdjieff? Gurdjieff and Uspensky? Oh, yeah. Uh, I love Gurdjieff. Uh, he's all about shamanism. Um, so Gurdjieff says that, and, and this is my belief, Gurdjieff says we come into the world as essence. And then we develop personality personality meaning ego as a means to cope and function within the world. And how do we do that? We copy our parents, we copy our brothers and our sisters, the kids we hang around with, that's how we learn by copying. So we learn coping strategies. And sometimes they're bad ones that have been passed on from generation to generation to generation, but we learn them and we emulate them. And we create those sub personalities, those egos. That's why I always say I'm a cast of 1000s. And we use them to function within the world. And they, they basically, and it goes all the way back to birth and maybe even beyond that, that's how we function and, and cope and function within the world. And they go on autopilot and they get so good at it that we, we get to the point where we think that we are our egos, but we're not. 
we are the creators of our egos, but they're taking over and they're trying to protect us. And so even when they're doing messed up things that are wrong, so to speak, and not right ways to cope, it's because they're trying to protect us. And they'll, they'll do different things, like they'll see something that's wrong inside of us and project it onto somebody else so we don't see it. And it's all a defense mechanism. So in, in doing this work, the journey is actually from the head to the heart. And back to the heart is the essence of our being. And when we learn why we have those habits, and, and the thing I always like to say is, Anything that drives you crazy in another person, that's your shadow. If you want to know what your shadow is, look at what's driving you crazy in other people and what they say and do. Because you will project onto them and you will judge them so you don't see it in yourself because it's like autopilot self-defense mechanism. So once you see that and realize it and really see it within yourself, and it goes deep, it goes really deep, and, and it goes back to our formative times. So we don't even remember when we started having these, you know, self-defense habits, so to speak. But when you go back and you really, really see it in yourself and you realize it and you accept it and come to terms with it and release it, then suddenly at some point, there's a person that you used to judge for a certain behavior and you look and you see yourself from the past. And then you have compassion instead of judgment. And then you find out later on down the road, if you continue to do the work, and Mike, I'll bet dollars to donuts you're having this experience now from what, what I've heard from you, is you get on the road and, and, and all of a sudden one day you realize that something that used to totally drive you crazy has no charge to it at all. And all the psychic energy that you were using to maintain that defense mechanism now becomes available to you in other ways. And so instead of being focused on those particular things, you're more open and then your perception opens up and you start to perceive things in a different way because you're not limited by this restricted worldview or perception that you had of things from the past. You're not, you're not judging anymore. Now you have compassion and you're, you're, you're more open and you see more than you did yeah. before. I mean, I, yeah, actually, that's a pretty good description of it. I would say, though, for a while, I was too complacent, like... Before I started doing this podcast, like five years ago, six years ago, my uncle, who's also my godfather, we have some pretty esoteric conversations. Um, he's he said something, he's like, you know, get in the game, you know, get in the game. Um, and I think I was too passive for a while where nothing really bothered me. And I, and I just kind of, but I think you need that friction a little bit. You need that pull and tug. Cause I think if you're too Zen, I, I don't think that you do anything in the world. There's nothing, there's no energy positive or negative. It's just, you're just there. If that makes sense, mm -hmm. which I guess that could be a good thing depending on what you're looking to do. But, um, I was looking to, you know, I've cultivated this knowledge and read a lot of books and come up with my own philosophies and stuff like that. And I wasn't really imparting those. I was just keeping them kind of to myself. So I think that for mm -hmm. a while, um, that, but yeah, I mean, I've been learning to kind of insert myself a little bit more, I guess, if you will. I don't know. It's kind of, yeah, maybe yeah. Like, there's, there's a fear to it too. I mean, putting your stuff out there like that too, you know, there's definitely a vulnerability, uh, to that matter as well. Uh, absolutely. Um, 
one the other thing one of my other teachers taught me one of my shamanic teachers he said when you break it all down it come down it comes down to this basic principle fear is contraction and love is expansion and when you expand in love you have to be vulnerable and i've also found in my own experience about every time i think oh i finally figured it out and i finally arrived is that's right when i get my ass handed to me you know because there's something to be said for that and 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 just when you think you got it figured out is when you're going to get tested and then you're going to know and one of the things I love about the jungle now after going after all these years is every successive year that I go, I can gauge myself about how compared to how I was a year before to see how far I've come. But but one of the beauties of it is that you never arrive. It's infinite. You get to a new level and you have a whole new set of problems. And that interestingly enough, that follows the holographic model because you get to this point and you and if you if you're following a spiral on the way an expanding spiral you're going to come back to the same point it's just going to be a little further out and a little more expanded but it's the same point and you're going to get tested in different ways and in in shamanism um, it's also called the power path and power is an interesting thing because the more power you personal power you cultivate the greater the consequences if you screw up because the greater responsibility that it carries. So that's where integrity really becomes ever more critical because you've got to stick with what you know, you know better. So you can't, you, you, you learn these things, you experience these things and you can't screw up because you know better. And if you do, the consequences are horrendous. You know, you see it all the time. So um, I love the fact that it's never ending. I love the fact that it's infinite. Each new level is a, a whole new realm of experience and possibilities and new things that you have to deal with. And you have to be careful because in, you're in a world where the majority of the people are not doing this work. It's hard to relate to them. They don't understand what you can perceive and see and, and experience because they're caught up in their own little hamster wheels doing whatever they do. And they, they won't, you know, you can't, you can't go to somebody for, and again, I'm not being political here, but just for argument's sake, you can't go to somebody who's an insanely mad, devoted Trump follower and try to say anything to them. They're not going to listen to you at all. They're, they're on their path. That's There's no question. This is my truth, blah, 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 right? So you, you observe, you see people who are stuck in different ways. More often than not, you even know how they could get out of it. But even if you went and told them, they're not going to hear it. So you just have to have compassion for them. And as we like to say, you, you can hold a space for them and, you know, help them and live your life to the best that you can. And I think that by living the life the best that you can and being an example is really the best way. If people ask you, you can tell them, but you can't, Jim, you can't, you can't, nobody can heal anybody else. I say this to people all the time. People say to try to tell me I'm a healer. I'm not a healer at all. Everybody heals themselves. I can point them in the way and I can say, well, you know, when this happened to me, this was my experience and this is how I figured it out. So take a look at yourself and maybe you can figure that out too, but I'm not going to heal anybody. I'm not, I'm not like that. Um, I can barely take care of myself as it is. <laughs> 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. <laughs> so in the, the holographic cosmic man, um, what aspect of, did you add psychedelics into that as well? I mean, other than maybe a few, like, is there a whole part of it devoted to that? Or is it just kind of like sprinkled in? It's kind of sprinkled in. It's It's more about, I mean, so... For lack of better words, uh, a psychedelic perspective is one of energy and patterns and interactions. And um, there are the way everything, you know, one of the things I experience in the jungle, I always like to say when you go to the jungle and you do an ayahuasca dieta, you're actually getting a tour of the jungle from the inside out. And you really become one with the jungle and you get a sense of how absolutely everything is connected. You know, the bugs fly around and they eat some of the plants and the bugs eat each other and then bigger animals eat them and then they die and then the bugs eat them and then the plants eat them. And it's just, it's all a wonderful cosmic symphony. Dude, mosquitoes are my new enemies. I like, I've been camping my whole life and I've never been lit up. I showed Shane, I sent Shane these pictures. I went, we were in Florida for a couple weeks and uh, we went to the botanical gardens one night for this like light show thing. And I'm, I've never had so many mosquito bites, and they itch so bad. I don't know what they're doing to the mosquitoes in Florida, but I'll tell you one thing. Um, I, maybe it was because I was sweating. I don't know. Maybe I have that juicy blood. I don't know what's going on, but I got lit well, up. When they eat us, when they come for us in the jungle, I like to say, hey, man, they're getting some white meat for a change. It's like a delicacy for them, right? So, so <laughs> did you um, – have you ever had any like insect, insectoid, insectus? How do you pronounce insectoid like experiences? Oh man, yeah. God, one time this old time shaman, he was doing his thing and he turned into this big like praying mantis, and he had all these arms and bells and things, and he was doing all this stuff, and I was just like, oh my god, <laughs> it was intense. And then I, um, I've had the experience of being like a smaller insect and then get eaten by a bigger one and then swallowed by a snake and, and going through that whole process and going through the, as I like to say, sort of the evolution of consciousness at each level. And I've had some very bizarre alien type insectoid beings come and hang out and visit me. And even when I've been in the jungle and haven't been high, some of those insects look like ETs anyway. Yeah, so that insectoid thing is interesting. I actually, I don't know how I found this, but I found uh, an interview that Jerry Garcia did. Um, it was like a like a transcribed interview. Um, and he's talking about, I think 
the lady asks a question like, do you believe in a higher power or something like that? He's like, I'll tell you what I do believe. And that's insectoid, like overlords or something like, I forget what he said, but I mean, I don't know if many people have done as many psychedelics as Jerry Garcia probably did. And he said that that was a DMT experience. So, um, but the, the whole, uh, insectoid things interesting I've never experienced that on anything that I've done I have never done obviously DMT but salvia psilocybin MDMA uh, LSD I mean you name mescaline that I've never experienced anything like that so I don't know um, but is this so when you have those are those mainly ayahuasca experiences yeah ayahuasca has taken me into the furthest realms of anything it's why now I don't really do every once in a while like a couple of years ago about a year and a half ago i took some people i took a group on a mushroom journey because they asked me to um i'll lead people like that but nothing has taken me further and more bizarrely strange than ayahuasca period which is another reason why i think it's important for someone to do it within a group with somebody who's experienced so that i always tell people before they work with me and I'm screening them, I tell them, and I mean this, I tell them, I will go absolutely, absolutely anywhere in the dark with you. If, if darkness arises and you go to a particular hell, I'll go right there with you. Because um, I've been there and I know what it's like and I can, I can sort of hold your hand and go through it with you. Uh, no worries, because what you learn over time, and, and this reflects back on what you were saying a little bit ago, Mike, is that, um, you, you really learn to get this objectivity. And whether you're soaring through blissful heavenly realms or you're soaring to new lows and really dark hells, you have the same sort of centered objectivity and you learn how to interact and how to navigate those spaces. And no, and I always tell people too, you know, just remember no matter where you go, remember that you drank something and this isn't gonna last forever. I always think of it like a passing weather pattern or a storm front, and it will pass. So you just got to learn to navigate those spaces because in learning to navigate, you learn how to navigate yourself psychologically, whether you're in the real world or not. And I think you probably, I probably said this before on, on shows with you and everything else. In indigenous culture, well, in Western culture, so to speak, we have these different states of consciousness. We have sleeping, waking, dreaming, and visions. In indigenous cultures, there's no difference. It's just a continuum. And when I first started doing a lot of work with the jungle medicines, my dreams and my visions started playing into each other. And then my dreams and my visions started leaking over into my waking life. And then that made my waking life more magical and dreamlike. And now it's just all for me, it's just all one and the same continuum. They're just different states of consciousness. And you can be you can be in the weirdest dream doing the weirdest things like, you know, breathing underwater and flying a purple horse with pink polka dots. And you're like, yeah, of course I am. You don't even question it. You're in that reality and you, and you accept that's what it is. And people can say, well, well, that was only a dream. Well, maybe it was only a dream, but in that moment you're in the middle of it, it's just as real to you as everything else. And when we leave this planet, what, what are, go ahead. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. When we leave this planet, we leave the physical body and whatever is out there in, in the great beyond, so to speak. It makes this, you realize how temporarily, temporary all this is. 
you know, it's all about conscious awareness in, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, it's very, very temporary. Um, I guess what are the dreams like after, like, do you dream after like the night, you know, when you come down or the next day or like, are the dreams any different? Are they similar, um, to normal dreams? Um, and then also like, cause I know you have to like, you know, there's people who do like flower baths and certain diets and stop smoking herb and things like that. Uh, cause even smoking herb alone would give you some serious vivid dreams. Um, is, what are, what's the dreaming like during these, it's, uh, excursions? Yeah, they, they, they cross over often the dreams and the visions cross over. And, um, I had some really wild experiences. One of the things I remember very vividly way back is when I was first doing a lot of work with 5-MeO and I remember having these dreams of being on the edge of an abyss and terrified that I was going to cease to exist. Just, I mean, sheer terror in a dream. And then one time I thought, you know what? The hell with it. I'm going to let go. And I let go. And it did cease to exist. I don't know how long I ceased to exist, but at some point I came back and I was like, wow. Oh, let's do that again. And boom, I went and I did it again. And over time, what I had dreadfully feared the most, I came to love the most because there was a surrender in it. And in the end, you have to surrender. You have to, you have to surrender for acceptance. You know, we're all gonna we're all gonna leave this physical plane at some point. You gotta accept it. It's just gonna happen. So the more you accept it in my in my experience and the more you sort of surrender to what's bigger than us the more you go with the cosmic flow and the more Dude, you start to have that is super insightful but super hard um because that's oh, yeah, like, really hard. i mean that's what i ocd is is you want to control your environment yeah. on, a, on a level that's impossible so to do what you're saying, which is the complete opposite thing is that's what you do. That's what I try to do, you know, to break free of those mind loops sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, and it sucks for a little bit, like, you know, until you get used to it and then you're like, oh, OK, I'm, I'm good. You know, like you sit with it for a while yeah. uh, uncomfortably and then you work it, you know, it works itself out in that regard. But that is not easy to do. So, I mean, I agree with you and that's what you have to do, but that's, that's, it's so much easier said than done. It's terrifying. It's terrifying. It's really, it's really terrifying. One of the things we like to say about ayahuasca is that you don't really surrender to it. You dance with it. So you got to let it lead. But when you get that objectivity, you can ride it. And when you, when you learn that acceptance, and this all kind of ties in with Buddhism. Um, when you learn that acceptance and you give yourself up to what is bigger than you and you really strive your best to be that hollow bone, then your intuition shoots up, your perception goes up, telepathy happens, and you start to see more and more synchronicities. In my experience, synchronicities are indicators that you're on the right path. 
And in my experience, when you really start connecting with nature, when you start having some very trippy, literal rainbow experiences, those are signs that you're on the right path. I've, I've had some experiences with rainbows that were rainbow synchronicities. I mean, literal, literal, real rainbows. When I was thinking or asking particular questions at particular times, and I was answered in that way, and I was like, oh, my God, it's, it's scary. Because it is way bigger than us. Death is bigger than us. You know? And when you don't fight it and go with the flow, I think you start getting rewarded. And, and I think that fear, fear holds a great gift. Just like that, that acceptance of letting go and the terror of that. If you look back culturally in, in metaphor and storytelling, there's the whole metaphor of St. George and the dragon. And the dragon is hoarding all the gold and the beautiful maiden, right? Well, that's the knowledge that's hidden within inside of us. And the dragon has to do with all the fear that we hold that we're in great terror of. And when we face the fear, we can overcome it. And we get rewarded by the beautiful babe and the gold. It's really a, a, a beautiful metaphor when, when you think about it. And, and, and again, you may know this, but for any uh, audience members out there, if you're in a dream, and we've all had them, where you're getting chased by a monster or a nameless, faceless terror, if you can get the presence of mind, the thing to do is to turn around and say to it, what do you want? And it will change everything. I've, I've had a couple of experiences in the jungle. Um, one, there was this alien creature, man. I was, I was deep in it. And this alien creature comes up to me in my face. And it's like, Aah! you know, just like the alien with the slave ring in the teeth. It's, and I looked at it and I went, F you, right? And poof, it disappeared and it turned into this beautiful woman. And she kind of wiggled and giggled and she disappeared. And then um, another time I was getting, I got, these are in my visions, but I was getting attacked by these big, dark, bat-like creatures. And they just kept coming at me and coming at me and coming at me. And I'm like, what is this all about, right? And it kept coming and coming and coming. Finally, I thought, it, and I said, hey, wow, thank you guys for thinking I'm that important for you to pay this much attention to me, that you think I'm really that important. I'm so honored. And poof, they were gone. So, somebody, re somebody really liked that part. Uh, that, that last part. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, the darkness, to, to have some fear and some terror, like going into these experiences like you were talking about, Shane, some of that is healthy respect, and I think it's good. But um, as you, you we're all discovering, when you face the darkness, the darkness holds a gift. Because you can be in a terrified in a dark room and all you got to do is light one match, one lighter, one flame, and you can light the whole room. And suddenly you have this whole perception that you didn't have before. Suddenly you can see the whole room. You can see where the boundaries are. You can see where the windows and the doors are and all of those things. But you have to have the, the cojones to face the dark. And it's really, really terrifying, especially that surrender part. Um, yeah, I mean, if you can, to what you were saying, like become lucid within the dream or conscious that you're in the dream, mm -hmm. um, that is how you would, you know, there's some people that like, 
Um, you know, if they're being chased, they can manifest like a weapon or if they're trying to get away, they can manifest a car or whatever. I mean, the way to lucid dream, there's different ways to induce it. But I mean, for me, it was always getting good at meditation helped. And then, um, when you, like, I would wake up and go to the bathroom at like 3am or 4am when I go back to sleep right away, I jump in to a lucid dream. I'm jumping into the dream. And I think that has to do with like my cannabis use, because I've uh-huh. stopped before, and boy, those dreams get um, yeah, they do. <laughs> they get real intense. Um, but yeah, uh, right. yeah I, I don't know. I think that what you're saying rings true. Like confronting. I know my buddy who wrote this book, Lee Adams, who wrote this book, um, the this lucid dreaming book. Uh, that's how he had sleep paralysis, really bad. Um, mm-hmm. And there was this entity that kept, you know, manifesting and, and messing with him. So the way he dealt with it, he finally was like, all right. He ended up swallowing this entity, and uh, he, he didn't have, you know, any more issues after that. So, um, yeah. I mean, there, there's it's taking the power back, and, yeah. um, you know, I think what you're saying is, is definitely what people should should try if you're having any sort of in, like you know like um like sleep paralysis or any yeah. sleeping issues or nightmares things like that yeah yeah i went through all of that the sleep paralysis all of that the nightmares the terrors all of that and looking back i'm thankful for all of it because it, they were my sparring partners they were my teachers and i still have god i went through some dark stuff this last time in the jungle but you know what that's where i needed to go I had to deal with some 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 dark family issues and I was okay with it. Like I said, you do this work long enough and you're objective whether you're in heaven or you're in hell, you you know that you're having experience and you're being shown something for a reason. And I always like to say, and ayahuasca does this, you have to experience the light and the dark. You can't have one without the other because we're all working our way back toward the center. And uh, as my old coach used to say, you know, there's the granola eater. So I just want to see the light and I just want to be a light worker. Nah, I'm sorry. Uh, you need the dark too, you know. Star seeds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah the, the, the darker the dark, the lighter the light and vice versa. They're both polarities of the same. And you're working toward the center where you are in a, a neutral place of objectivity and, you know, 360 degree vision for lack of better words. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, I mean, yeah, this is super helpful. I know. Um, and I know even in the past episodes we've done with you, people have sent me messages like, oh, I love, you know, Matthew is super insightful and she's got some stuff that, you know, I really identify with. So, I mean, a lot of what you say um, rings true with people, but... You know, at the same time, I think you, you you have this interesting way when I ask you a question, you show the whole spectrum of it, which is is actually made me think more about some of the things like even tonight, like one of the, the way you answered that question I had about psilocybin and, you know, observing like superposition or whatever I asked. Um, 
you know, like your answer um, was not like a yes or no. It wasn't like a, you know, one way or the other thing. And I think that that's how life is. So it is very complicated and complex. And as, as simple as some things are, um, to understand them, I do think that you have to um, look at the minutia sometimes and, and get in there and, and really figure out what's going on. So I, that's why I really appreciate our talks with you because, um, you know, even the most basic aspects of some of these topics, I don't think people even have a tenuous grasp on that. So I think it's super helpful. I appreciate that. You know, I'm a storyteller. And um, I've, I've spent a lifetime trying to describe psychedelic or visionary experience, which by its very nature is non-rational. And I discovered that the key to it, and I'm told I'm getting very good at it, and I, I hope so maybe at this point after all these years, but one of the keys is, is in metaphor and using, you know, using, using metaphor as an example. So when somebody asks me the question, and all of a sudden these little, all these tapes go off in my head and I, I hit the play button, you know, and then focus on keeping it on topic without going off. Cause I can go off in the weeds in any direction, as you well know, uh, as far as you want to go down a rabbit hole in any, any place. But you, you, one of the things I love about being on this uh, show with you is that you ask great questions. You stimulate me in that way. And I actually learn more about myself sometimes by talking to you. Oh, so, thanks, man. I mean, I'm just playing off of what, you know, that's what, that's the interesting thing about conversations and the way, like you, you were talking about like vibrations and, you know, connecting, you know, through psychoactive compounds. But I think that we do that as people, obviously, too, just through conversation. There's some people you vibe with, some people you don't. I try and vibe with everybody. Like, I know that there's just, you can't do it with just everybody. Like, there's just, that's just how it goes. But um, the most interesting, um, you know, episodes we've done on Mind Escape. Uh, haven't necessarily even been the biggest names, even though those are, you know, I like whoever I get on, I want to talk to. So anybody that's ever been on the show, somebody I've wanted to have on the show. But mm -hmm. there are a few people that I wasn't expecting to have the kind of connection or vibration uh, with that person and, and, and make connections and things like that. And you're definitely one of those people. Um, we, you know, we've done, what, over 260 episodes and we've had you on a few times. I love talking to you. It's just an easy conversation. We get each other. I know, you know, I, you know, I don't know everything you're going to say, but I like the, the way that you say, um, your, your own piece on these things. So I appreciate what you're doing. Thank you. Th thank you. And thank you for thanking me, for thanking you, for thanking me, for thanking you, for thanking me. La 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 la. It's, it's turning into a real circle jerk around here, folks. There you go. Um, Why don't but uh, so, how, what book number is this, by the way? The how, this is uh, my eighteenth, yeah, eighteenth book. Wow, and um, I've read Pika Floor, and I've read—is it—is it called Death Hug Me or something like that? Oh, a Death a Love Story. You read that? Thank you. I, I read that. Yeah. Um, right. And I read one more too. I forget. I've got a few of yours in my Kindle, but yeah, I really enjoy your work. He's a—he's. A, I'm not just saying this too, but. He's a really excellent writer. Obviously, you know, you've got the pedigree from your mentors and, you know, mm -hmm. your writing community connections and everything like that. But you're, you know, the way you talk, the way we're having this conversation is the way you write, which I appreciate, too. I don't like super stuffy or overly complex stuff. I mean, there's a time and a place, yeah. but yeah, no, I really appreciate it. 
Oh, thank you, man. You make you make it all worth it because I really try to simplify. I, I one of my guiding principles is to say more with less words. That, that's what I always try to do. So it's all for you, brother. Uh, you're making my day. I'm gonna have a big head. I won't be able to get out the door when this one's over. There you go. Let's get this guy's ego boosted up so we can send Shane yeah. down with him to uh, cure his uh, <laughs> his inflated ego. Um, no, but <laughs> um, we're, I want to go back to the architecture stuff. Like we were talking about the Temple of Man. I do want yeah. to kind of go back to a little bit of that. You're talking about like the Golden Ratio. I assume the Vitruvian Man comes into that, you know, play yeah, a little bit. Uh, yeah. um, what have have you, did you uncover anything that you feel like is new information or, you know, maybe something that you've never seen in other people's research or something like that? You know, it, it, interesting because to me it all comes down to perspective. And I have a different perspective because of, uh, I mean, we all do. But because of all the research I've done in inner space and, and so to speak and all that, I have uh, a conception of things that is challenging to put into words. So the whole revelation of the fact that um, the golden mean is the perfect representation of a hologram for me was a major, major revelation. And I, I and I and I know you know this, but you know for the benefit of the audience, it's it's everywhere. I mean, in the human body, this this first segment of the finger to the next one is the golden mean. That segment to the next one is the golden mean. It's all throughout the body. It's in the geometry of the face. It's all throughout nature, everywhere. And then when I saw, I've always been fascinated with the whole idea of um, particles and waves in quantum physics. Well, if you look at it in terms of energy and you look at it in terms of perception and perspective, it's fascinating because just by the very act of observing it, you change it. Is it a wave or is it a particle? The answer is yes, you know. And so when when you when you when you're observing a wave and you have to stop when you observe it in your mind, you sort of have to stop time. And in stopping time, it becomes a particle. And I've always been fascinated with with spirit into matter and the frequency and vibrations. You know, the uh, if you go through the table of elements, the the first two elements, the highest highest vibrations are hydrogen and helium. That's what the sun's made out of. And the sun gives off its energy unconditionally. So to me, that moment where the interaction of those two atoms create energy, for me, and in shamanic thought actually, is where spirit comes into matter. Because that's that point of, you know, you can't see it until you observe it, and by the very act of observing it, you change it. And that just fascinates me to no end. Um, and it goes on and on and on. And that, that was the reason in my memoir, my first memoir, Spirit Matters. It's spirit into matter. It's matters of spirit. And spirit matters. And if you look at our physical world and our physical bodies and our physical reality or for some of us realities is all from from 
inside of our meat bodies that we're perceiving this stuff in this thing that can't be defined in a physical sense called consciousness. And consciousness is, is interpreted perception and consciousness is awareness. And the more your awareness expands, the more you take in, the more you perceive, the more you become aware of. And as the old saying goes, uh, where your attention goes, there your energy goes. So you got to be focused on a lot of these, you know, idiots and politics and, and business and, and, you know, all that, or even all of the, the, the ah, you know, the celebrity stuff, right? You know, you want to you want to put all your time and energy into that? Or do you want to look at the bigger picture? And for me, as I get older, my energy and my attention becomes more and more precious and I'm more and more jealous of it. And I won't waste my time with some of these babbling idiots. I don't care if Kim Kardashian has a big butt that had all this plastic surgery or whatever, or she's running around with Kanye or <laughs> Davidson or whatever. But give me a break, right? Come on. There's a, there's a whole big cosmic mystery out there, and we're in the middle of it. I mean, that's why I mentioned, I named that book, The Center of the Universe is Right Between Your Eyes. And it's magical. We're all caught up, you know, as a society and culture and materialism and wars and all that. And, and the, you know, I hate to sound like an old fart, but, you know, the younger people are all glued to their cell phones and all this technology stuff and they're missing out. And that's one of the things I love about going into the jungle is you're disconnected from everything. There's no, there's candles out there and maybe a battery for your flashlight, but you're totally. Oh, I'm guilty of it. I'll tell you one yeah. thing, though. I'm headed into the technology jungle, bro, and I don't know if I'm ever coming out. I'm just being honest. No, I so I went, for, you know, so when I went in the Air Force, I started out, I worked on tube equipment. I went from tube equipment to solid state to integrated circuits to microprocessors to mini computers to mainframes, back to PCs, back to networks. And my last jobs were IT managers, being an IT manager. So I've ridden that wave of technology through all of that. You know, I used to troubleshoot component down to the component level with my oscilloscope and my digital multimeter. Oh, you know, there's an open on resistor R2. It should be 100K and it's, you know, it's an open circuit. All of that, and I've been through all that. And I feel very blessed to have been through that because I understand the manipulation of energy. And it makes me appreciate going off into the jungle even more. And, and, and prior to going in the jungle, I've done tons of backpacking and camping and every chance I get to get out in nature. I mean, that alone is a psychedelic experience. I know. I mean, I haven't been in a couple of years um, just because we had our son and the state of the world and everything like that. But for, I mean, since I was five years old, we go on this camping trip to northern mm -hmm. Michigan. Uh, and mm -hmm. every time just getting out of the car and breathing that fresh air and just... Mm -hmm you know, ready to set up your tent and stake out for, you know, four or five days. Um, yeah. I've had some of my most potent, I mean, I've done psychedelics there too, some of my most uh, important experiences and mystical experiences. However, just breathing in that air, looking at the river, it's it's like an altered state of consciousness in itself. And we're so, um, we're so, you know, separated from that where exactly. we're just we're we're not connected to to mother earth uh at all anymore so when you experience that you're like oh you know this is what i'm missing i you know even mm -hmm. going home 
um, to uh, Michigan and being able to like sit outside and stare at the stars because here in Chicago, uh, you get the red glow from the city and you can't see anything. Uh, but sure. just getting walking outside at a nice crisp night and staring up at the stars is just you get this feeling like this mm-hmm. this home feeling. I don't know how to explain it. Yeah, the only you know, but I mean you know where I'm going with this. Bottom line is I just think that um, I don't know. We're in a weird place, you know, doing this limbo um, where mm-hmm. technology is necessary for the modern world and civilization. However, um, we're, we're seriously missing this other thing that I think does have a huge impact. I, I mean, I, I would I would go as far as to say that, um, you know, it's we're living in, in this anxiety state or this mm-hmm. mental health state because of all these things and not being connected to the earth still. I mean, I really do believe that that's a huge component of it. Um, but I mean, like I said, we're in a weird limbo cause this is where it's going. We just gotta, um, evolve with it. I don't know. Or try and do our best to get into nature when we can. I don't have any real solution to be honest with you, but, um, that's kind of where we're at. Unfortunately. That's yeah. For me, when I go into the jungle and I drink ayahuasca with the other plants, what I always like to say is that that is the voice of Mother Earth talking to me. And I'm going to listen to mom. And in that respect, I'm a mama's boy. And I listen. And I'm and I'm getting, even though I made my living in all of my life in technology, I'm getting more and more like anti-technology, you know? Um, now for me, being a writer at this point in space and time, it's a necessary evil. You know, the pandemic made ebooks even more more critical, and all the public appearances and the lectures and the book signings I was doing. Well, and you got to you got to market yourself too. It doesn't matter how good you are; you got to get yourself that's out right. there. You know. Yeah, and that's where it's at. And the writing communities—that's where it's at. Um, they're they're very big on Facebook. The writers' conferences, the clients I get when I do editing work—they're all out there. So it's, it's a necessary evil. But I spend as much time as I can. In nature, I'm I'm here in San Diego. I'm you know a very short distance from the beach. In fact, I was just walking to the beach tonight with a, with a buddy of mine. I went and had some dinner, and I ride my bike down to the beach. So I'm that close, like that. Um, and every chance I get, I escape into nature. And in fact, the one qualifier I would say is I, I mentioned earlier that it's best to do mushrooms alone in the dark by yourself, but also alone out in nature. Um, by yourself or with a small group of people, but really doing it like that and connecting with nature. Um, I think that's really important. Yeah, you know? I agree. Yeah. Um, looks like in the comments, Deadbeats says, we are super high energy light. You know, there's a article I read, I don't know how long ago, I don't know, probably like five, six years ago, about how the human body actually glows but you can't, it's like un, undetectable to the naked eye, but we actually glow. Um, and it's most bright, I think, during the daytime, like almost mm-hmm. like we're a battery, like yeah. we're supercharging, kind of like those things that you hold under the the, the glow in the dark, th- you know, things that are on whatever clothes yeah. and decals yeah. and whatever, and you hold them up to the light and then, you know, you turn the light off and it glows for a while. Probably, uh-huh. we're, we're probably something like that. I, I agree. Here's one for you that I learned years ago. Not original. Anything I got that's really good, I probably stole. Okay. We are human beings. Hue is light. 
So human, light man, being. We're human beings. We're just at this particular three-dimensional. I got news frequency. for you. We are, we are hue people, okay? There you go. Yeah, right. I, politically correct, right? <laughs> That's right. We're hue people. Um, yeah. Shout out to all the ladies out there, too. Yeah, um, no, but for real, I mean, um, we could talk for uh, days here. Uh, and I don't want to necessarily wrap it up just a second, but we're trending towards that way. But yeah. is there anything else you want to add um, that's in your book or talk about, you know, about your book or anything that we didn't get to or anything? Well, there's a, a number of my books. This one is not going to be an audio book because it's graphics intensive. But um, all the stuff we're talking about, as you know, Mike, because you've been reading them, and thank you for that. Um, I go into very much in depth with this stuff: the shadow work, the connection, the energetic vibrations, the different uh, realities, the, the plant medicines. I go very much in depth in my book. So I've got about five or six books that um, are very much in depth with these topics. But I've also got I got I got a very dark horror novel. I've got a couple of science fiction novels. I got a supernatural thriller. I'm working on my third short story collection. Um, I got a very well received historical novel. As a matter of fact, um, two days from now will be 10 years anniversary that they that they did a great show on Land Without oh, Evil. Oh yeah, you did the they had the play. I forgot about that. We talked. Yeah, about it was, that. it's going to be two, two days from now. It will be 10 years, believe it or not. Wow. Um, so my point is, is I'm all over the map with the writing. I, I've, I've written in multiple genres. Um, I've even got some screenplays under consideration. Um, I'm an obsessive fool with the writing. So there's also flights of fancy if you just want to have an escape, but shamanism underlies everything that I write about. And the more intense ones, like the nonfiction ones are all, um, I've recorded them as audiobooks too. So people like to listen as opposed to reading. Um, they're out there. And uh, I just appreciate having a voice here and having you guys on indulging me and, you know, playing playing mental ping pong here. And uh, I think bringing out the best in both of us, all of us. You too, Shane. Um, yeah, man. No, I mean, you're welcome on anytime. I mean, we, you know, you, you can come back on next week if you want, you know, you have to wait till your next book. Um, uh, but I, I'm being serious too. You're welcome on the show anytime. I mean, I always enjoy our conversation and I feel like all we need to do is kind of just pick a direction and we can just run away yeah. with it the whole time. I mean, literally, um, we could talk for forever. Um, but, yeah. um, but yeah, man, I, I really appreciate your book. I'm looking forward to reading this. Um, and uh that's pretty much uh all i got um shane do you have any questions before we wrap it up i actually i appreciate you, what you do uh like i said from my experience it's important for me that the message that psychedelics could be medicinal and there's all kinds of ways that they can help but so just disqualifying them and like i said i'm kind of terrified but excited about my ayahuasca experience so I, I, it may be some matter of time how long it takes I don't know but I've just heard things about PTSD and the benefits so I'm grateful that there's people out there that are shamans because I actually just reconnected with a friend of mine from elementary school and that's what he says he is with 
DMT and things like that as well. So I was I didn't even know that was a thing until I had my experiences. So thank you. Oh, well, uh, like I said to Mike, thank you for thanking me, for thanking you, for thanking me, for thanking you. La 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 la. <laughs> I really appreciate it, and, I, and I'm uh, I'm always at your service. Um, anything I can do in any way. If you got those other projects going, Mike, I'd love to be involved. Yeah, we'll talk. Um, like I said, we're just gonna we're gonna air our uh, trailer coming out probably Monday or Tuesday, and then we've got our premiere for the documentary will be at the Roswell UFO Expo in March. Um, So anybody that's uh, interested, you can buy tickets online for that. Um, And yeah, we'll be at that uh, conference. I think we're doing a podcast episode from there, interviewing a bunch of people. So it should be a good time. Um, That's the first thing I've ever probably been to or will be going to like that. I've never been to like a Comic-Con or UFO convention or anything like that. So this will be a first for me. I know Shane earlier this year went to UFO Congress and had a, a too good of a time. He's still hey, check out my shirt. So. This is from Vernal when I went to uh, the UFO Symposium. Shout out to my friends Michelle, Dwayne, Charlie Boyd, some good people. So uh, Blind Frog Ranch, but yeah, that's for my first conference. I think you're missing out. Some good people, Mike. And I know you're a skeptic, Mike. I'm not. I mean, I'm open. I'm open minded, skeptical. Man. You know, some skeptics good. Got to have some. You got to, yeah, I can't, you can't have your brain falling out of your head, okay? But, um, but honestly, gone. but honestly, I am excited for it. And shout out to Toby. Uh, but yeah, so I have all of, I have Matthew's link for his Amazon uh, profile page down below. It's got all of his books on there. So, like he said, he's written 18 books. There's a, there's a flavor on there. If whatever you're into, metaphysics, psychedelics, shamanism, um, you name it, there's death you know, life, love, it's all in there. So, um, and, uh, yeah. And if you're interested, come check out our other podcast, which is called the Roswell UFO symposium. We are, we have a YouTube channel. Please subscribe to that. If you don't already, uh, I have the link down below. Um, and also follow us on social media. Um, and I've been hosting spaces, um, with that profile on UFO Twitter recently too, if you're interested, uh, come chat on there and uh, yeah if you want to support mind escape all you have to do is click the link tree link down below there is a merch store with all of my own designs that i've created in there um, we have a patreon which we've had patreon segments with uh, matthew on there from the past um, and yeah if you didn't check out our latest episode that we did uh, before i we went on vacation check that out with randall carlson that was a great episode and um yeah, I think that's it. But uh, primarily, I just want to thank you again, Matthew, uh, your wealth of knowledge on this topic, um, topics. And um, I know you put a lot of time into this and uh, it really shows and you really know what you're talking about. I mean, when I, you know, talk to people, I mean, I was in sales too, a uh, majority of my adult life. So I know who's bullshitting. You are not a bullshitter. Everything that you say, I can tell comes from personal experience and lots and lots of thinking and um, philosophizing. So um, I I recognize, you know, real recognizes real, they say. So uh, you're welcome on any time, man. Like I said, don't don't be a stranger. You don't have to come back on next year. You can come back on in a few months if you want. So I appreciate that, man. Very much. Hey, real quick. Yeah, go ahead, Mike. Before we depart, can I shout out? Hey. If you guys get a chance, you're watching this, check out Wounded Warrior, donate. They're, they saved my life. 
a heroic heart since we're talking about psychedelics you know they're doing things for veterans that other people aren't even thinking about with uh dmt and you know so uh if you get a chance also you probably think about writing your congressman senator about why we're not taking psychedelics seriously for medicinal purposes so i appreciate you guys being here amen brother Thank you, Shane. Shout out to Turnt Inc. Thank you very much. We love you. Super chat, love. And again, we just, we love everybody. Um, we love doing this show. I honestly, I love just having conversations and uh, everybody's so cool. And uh, I look forward to, it's coming up on five years. Maurice and I will probably do a five-year anniversary show here in the next few weeks. So, um, awesome. but yeah, I appreciate everybody. We love everybody. Stay safe out there and uh, we'll catch you next time. Peace. Thank you.